and they'll take the guidance. They may not take my exact advice, but they're going to hear me out and they're going to take some steps to do something, to take some type of advanced movement forward so that they can better their situation or change the situation that they may not be happy in. So I'm looking for mentees that want to do something. One, two, Welcome to the Bold Moves How Did You Know podcast, a podcast for the naturally curious who want to define their own path. I'm your host, Kristen Rocco, and here I'm sharing bold move stories that propelled my guests from curiosity to action. And in doing so, they've defined a path that is purposeful to them. Through these stories, I hope you'll be inspired to pursue your boldest dreams. Today, my guest is Natalie Greenwood. Natalie is a data governance and master data management thought leader. She's dedicated her 25 plus year career to helping clients across various industries implement data governance and master data management solutions that align with their data and analytics initiatives. She develops and executes strategies, policies, and frameworks that enable data quality, consistency, and reliability. She even holds a patent in data governance framework. She's also a board member at Texas A&M Texarkana. (laughs) Natalie participated in the Harvard Business Analytics Program, and she mentors over 30 people. Within the first five minutes of meeting you, Natalie, I can tell why you're a mentor to 30 people. You're so personable and relatable. So hello, it's so good to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. And how are you? Oh, I'm very good. Thank you for having me. And I am excited to be here on the show today. Amazing. All right, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, I would love for you to, you know, help us get to know you behind the bio a little bit more. And tell us what does your, what did you, how did you grow up? What does your life look like today? And what are some of the influences that, sorry, the experiences that influenced you up through now? I got this, you know, We communicated through email a little bit, and I was really moved by something that you said. You said, I've made really good moves, really bad moves, some emotional moves, and some some uninformed moves. So I would love for you to bring this to life a little bit more as well, because as you know, this is all about bold moves, but often to get to bold moves, we have to make some other moves. Right, that's right. So just to back up, I grew up in Michigan. Um, I spent the first 40 years of my life there, um, born and raised. I moved around a lot as a child. My dad and mom were both in business and my dad was in the telecom business and he was responsible for a lot of different territories in the Michigan area. So we moved from the time I was in seventh grade until I ended up graduating as a junior in high school. We moved like five times. So I attended a lot of different schools and I think in a lot of ways that influenced uh, who I am as a person, because every time you move to a new school, you can imagine you have to, you have to integrate, you have to get to know new friends, you have to find a group, you know, the right group for yourself, you know, you have to, to figure out where you fit in. And so that kind of, kind of got me to where I'm at today, where I just, I'm very comfortable in situations Mm -hmm. that um, others might not be because I've been put into those situations over the years. There was actually someone asked me, in high school, I think it was my sophomore year when I moved for the fourth time as a sophomore. And they said, oh, okay, so are you an army brat? And I didn't know what they meant. I don't know what that means at the time. And I said, oh, well, my dad was in the army and my sister thinks I'm a brat. So I guess, but (laughs) it wasn't an army brat. I was just, you know, my dad was in business and uh, telecom and we moved around. So, so that's kind of how, how, how things got started for me in terms of just, um, 
learning to be, uh, I don't know, have, having the ability to move into new areas and try new things without feeling, you know, like I couldn't do it. I always went to these new schools with that open mind that I could do anything and I could meet anyone. I could be anyone I wanted to be. And so mm-hmm. I kind of unstoppable from that perspective. Oh, I love that. Unstoppable. And actually, I have to relate to you a little bit because your story of moving around, I really relate to that. Um, I got asked similar questions. Um, I moved quite a bit in my childhood. And a lot of people asked me if my dad was in the army or the or the military. But in fact, my dad worked for IBM. And at the time, there was the acronym also stood for I've been moved. So <laughs> Well, yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I agree that, you know, moving around does shape who you are in some of that, those qualities and characteristics that, that may make you more adaptable, more flexible in different situations. So tell us a little bit more about that. You know, what are some of these, I know you've, in addition to moving around a lot, you've also held a lot of roles and you have really an unconventional maybe thought around um, the employee employer relationship. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I do. And so so that comes back to how I grew up. So uh, as we moved around, as I was seeing my dad go through all these job changes or, you know, it was with the same company, but he was moving up, he was moving up the, the corporate ladder. And I was being moved around as a child. I saw that my dad was being very loyal to a single company. And I was born and raised in the Midwest where most folks are very loyal. I mean, this is automotive, you know, this is automotive country. So there's a lot of folks that are part of the union and they're going to just, they're going to stay in their role. The intent is to go to a company and stay there. And so I was raised with that, you know, that mindset, but then I turned Mm -hmm. 16 And and this is like such a a pivotal moment in your life. I was getting ready for college. I was graduating early and, you know, I was all set up. My my parents were financially ready to send me to college. And my dad was laid off after over 30 years with the same company, after all that he had done with this company, you know, moving his family around, all the the sacrifices he made, all the loyalty he gave to the company, Mm -hmm. he was laid off. And that layoff broke him. I mean, it it was such a breakdown of our whole family at the time because he was expecting this pension and he was just three years away from getting a full pension. They took, um, you know, so he he does have a pension from the company, but it's much smaller, much smaller, a quarter of what he was expecting. Um, He, they took away that long-term healthcare, you know, lifetime healthcare. And it, it just changed his whole trajectory at that point. And he was lost. He hadn't had to interview for a job in 30 years. So at 16, I'm watching my dad go to these workshops to learn how to interview again. And I'm seeing, you know, my parents really buckle down on how, how they're spending. And they basically broke it to me that, you know what, we can't pay for your college. So that, that was like, just so incredibly impactful at that age when all of a sudden I need to get student loans. I have to kind of figure this out on my own. And that really drove the direction of my life in terms of the loyalty factor. So what my dad taught me after that, because my dad's been my mentor, my guide, you know, throughout my entire career, what he taught me at that point was, you know, I was loyal. I did all the things and the business was loyal to me until they weren't. And so what he said after that and how, how I followed the rest of his career after that was he said, think of it more like a contract. Loyalty should not necessarily fit into a contractual agreement. It's a legal binding agreement. As an employee, I've said, I'm going to do this and I'm agreeing to do these things. And as a business, you're agreeing to, you know, set me up for success and provide me with all the tools so I can do those things. And as long as that's working, 
we're going to stay together. But if any of those start to break down, you have to make a decision or the business has to make a decision. That's okay. Go ahead, make the decision. You leave, they leave, you move over, you move up, whatever needs to happen, but do something. And so that's why I get kind of a cringe factor when people say, well, I've been with the company 10 years and I feel this sense of loyalty. And I'm like, great, but what happens tomorrow if they have to let you go because things aren't working out on their end? Are you ready? Or are you prepared? And that's why I'm always ready and prepared for what might need to come next. All right, let's segue there because it feels supernatural. What do you do to prepare for your next opportunity so that you're not caught off guard? Yep, couple things. So I did start taking on mentees a few years ago, and I did that because it keeps it's it's a great way to network. It's an incredible way to network. It's also a great way to help other people who've been in the situation that my dad was in, and to help them like, hey. I know you feel comfortable now, but let's not get too comfortable. Let's be prepared. So by preparing them, I'm also taking the advice. And in preparation, it's, you know, keep your resume updated, continue to network, know what's going on in the market, you know, stay in touch with the people that leave the company, but also network internally. Ideally, mm-hmm. if you're with a company, you want to stay with a company. It'd be great if you could stay and do more and do better and do great things within that organization because you're already there. So also continue to look internally, you know, and just keep keep that concept of internal movement alive as well. But just always be ready just in case, just in case. Mm-hmm. I just don't want anyone to, to wake up one morning, not have a job and go, wow, I didn't see that coming. Always just assume it could happen. Hope for the best, expect the worst and just be prepared. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I, you know, I think it's it's funny because, you know, obviously that happened to your dad many, many years ago at this point. And I was about to say that I think even I think now companies are even more disloyal to their employees than they were then, which is making this conversation all the more important. I mean, it's always important, but uh, definitely, I think gig employees are becoming a bigger ordeal and companies are a lot less uh, tied to the right. relationships that they, they build with the employees from the get go. I mean, there is the concept of at will now, right? So you have at will states and, and that's essentially there. There is no real agreement. I mean, in the event that they want to let you go, if they don't like the color of your tie, they can let you go and there's no recourse. It is what it is. So fine. Okay. But then that, that conversation around loyalty changes, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we, we left off where you were going into college with student loans, right? Uh And so you're in this fascinating career and space of, of data governance. Is that where college started for you? How did you even find this space? How did you hone your interests? Because, um, so much of making bold moves is really identifying what your vision is, right? And then being able to put some steps toward that. So how, and and I think a lot of people may be searching for their vision, their interest. So what did that process look like for you, Natalie? So, ah, so again, my dad was my mentor. I grew up in telecom and I was very fortunate because growing up, 
depending on what role he was in within this particular company, I was able to go and see some of the work he was doing, like take your daughter to work day was a thing. Mm -hmm. So I was able to see all the techie stuff happening. I would get to go into the switch rooms where the, you know, the, the telecom servers were ho uh, hosted. And, and I just got to kind of, as a young child, see that. And then as I grew up, I started to see him in sales meetings and more of the, you know, more executive leadership type thing. And I thought, this is, this is cool. And he was also bringing home a lot of new tech because telecom was mm -hmm. constantly changing in the, the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. So, you know, we were the first family to have in the state of Michigan, a cell phone that was a bag phone for personal use. So I was just being exposed to all this new, exciting technology. And, and it was it was fun. It was cool. His office was yeah. filled of computers and books. And there was this, this moment when I was in his office and he walked in one day, it was in the afternoon and he, it was in the summer. And he said, what are you reading? And I said, this book on COBOL, what is this? It looks like a foreign language. And he said, oh yeah, it's, it's a computer language. And I was like, wow, this is, so you, you can actually take this and do, you know, do this thing and these things come out. And he's like, yeah, do you want to try it? You know, and he was just fascinated that I was reading this book. And I said, well, yeah, I, for some reason I can't learn Spanish or French. Um, that's not working. So maybe, <laughs> maybe this will work because this is actually making sense to me. And so he was uh -huh. like, I think, I think that might be where your career is going to take you. We started having those conversations. You might end up, mm. being, but he wasn't going to push me down the telecom path. He said, you need to figure out what path's right for you. So I was introduced. He decided, I think it's time to introduce you to this, this woman that I work with. Her name's Renee Barber. And she's a, in a, you know, a top sales leader in the telecom business. She works with me and I think you should meet her. I think it's a time for you to, you know, see if maybe we can get you an unpaid, if you will, internship. Yeah. With AT&T. It was with AT&T at the time. And I, I thought, well, that sounds fun. So he did. He introduced me to Renee and Renee, the first time I met her. So this is getting into where influence matters and mentorship matters. The first time I met her, met her she, she called me and said, show up on time. We're leaving at this time. Mm -hmm. Wear a suit. And I was like, okay. No, barely any introductions. I jump in her car. She takes me to a sales call. <laughs> we walk into this room full of men. And everyone just stops talking and she walks in and she does her sales pitch. And I could just see the room just like listening and hearing and mm. like the power, right? Of this one person, they were all listening. It was a men at, at the same time. It was men back in the nineties, you know, and yeah. they were listening to her. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be Renee. First of all, she's driving a nice car. <laughs> she's respected. Um, she's talking about things that interest me, which is technology and so yeah. she was, it was an influence. It was like that moment. I, I don't think, I didn't think at that moment I wanted to do sales per se, but I wanted to be a leader, a thought leader and someone who was respected. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. really drove my direction right out of the gate, even before I stepped on campus at Ferris State. So many things that you just said that I want to double back on. So I'm hearing that it's really important to have a mentor to help guide you, especially at an early age, but no matter the age, yes, right? right? Because these people, I think your dad initially, and then and, and then Renee yep. was able to open your eyes to a world that you didn't know about, right? And so that's what mentorship really is all about is exposure to new thinking, new ideas, new worlds, new opportunities. And so I guess that's what I'm kind of, thinking is tip one is like find a mentor mm -hmm. who can expose you to different areas that you may be interested in the second thing then that i heard in between the lines is once you find something that you're interested in 
don't ignore it. Right. Go more towards it. Right. right? Even though and it I wasn't perfectly aligned, it wasn't like I was going to be the next Renee, the next top salesperson that it wasn't a hundred percent aligned, but it gave me some direction. Exactly. And that's what I needed. That's what I needed at the time. And so I, I just followed that. And ever since then, I've taken on mentees. I've got several mentors. I just think, and not just within my own company, but even external, yeah. because I want to get that, I want to get that feedback and that thought leadership from other people that aren't necessarily living the same day to day as me, because you, you just, through a different lens, you see things differently. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times my mentees, a good example of why I think mentorship is also important is, you know, we can tell ourselves stories when we're at a company and we're going through something and it might not be a great mm -hmm. thing we're going through. Maybe it's an internal issue or maybe it's a client that you're dealing with. that's really difficult. You can start to tell yourself stories and get yourself pretty worked up and you just kind of get lost in, in what's happening and you can't see the bigger picture. And that's where, you know, your network really comes in and being able to pick up the phone or text, text a friend and say, Hey, I, we got to talk mm -hmm. through this and get that outsider's mm -hmm. perspective, it's really going to help you grow. And it's also going to help kind of shut down those, that noise that is, is creating, you know, uh, challenges for you in, in terms of yeah. moving forward and through the situation. So through your mentor and mentee relationships, what, we don't always land on the right mentor first, right? right. What do you look like in, um, what do you look for in a mentor? So for me, it's someone that I aspire to be like. Maybe it's a personality trait. Maybe it's the actual career path that they've gone down. Maybe it's a company they're at that I'm just interested in. Those are, those are the types of people I'm looking for. Now, when I'm, meant, when I'm the mentor, the things I'm looking for in a mentee are people that are very driven. They, they want something. They might not know what it is, but they want something and they're willing to ask for help. And they'll take the guidance. They may not take my exact advice, but they're going to hear me out and they're going to take some steps to do something, to take some type of advanced movement forward so that they can better their situation or change the situation that they may not be happy in. So I'm looking for mentees that want to do something. And if I get a mentee and I start to sense that, you know, after a few calls, they're just complaining, they're not doing anything to change their situation, no matter what advice I give them, they're not taking any of it or even factoring it in you know what, don't call me anymore because you're. this is a waste of my energy. I need people that, that are passionate and want to do things. And so I try as a, as a mentee to my mentors, I try to bring that energy and make sure that, you know, if I'm taking any of their time, that's valuable time. I want them to get mm -hmm. the most of it and I want to get the most of it as well. Yeah, what good advice. Um, so you have this do something phrase that seems to be a really powerful phrase uh, personally to you. What, where did that come about and how has it influenced some of the moves that you've made? Yep. So people, I think I mentioned this to you before, but people um, have looked at my career and some of them are scratching their heads. They're like, wow, you were with Ford a decade. And then you were with this company for like a year and this company for two years and this company for six months. And what's going on? <laughs> Who are you? Emily? Um, what is your identity? And, and they question it. And my, my response to that is, look, if I'm at a company and I'm adding value and I'm doing all the things and, you know, I'm feeling good about it, they're feeling good about it and it's a match, you've got me, I'm hooked. I'm giving you 150% and you're giving it back. We're in a good situation. If at any point something changes, the dynamic changes, maybe the leadership changes, maybe, maybe what I thought I was getting into wasn't at all what I was getting into, then mm -hmm. 
then I think you need to do something about that. Hence the advice I give to my mentees, right? So hmm, I'm in this situation. Uh, it doesn't feel right. Things are not going the way I would like them to go. It's impacting my personal life. Um, I've tried all the things to make it work with the business that I'm currently with, and it's not working for whatever reason. So I'm going to do something. And I'm going to do the best I can to leave on the best of terms. First, I'm going to try to, you know, find something internally so that, you know, I don't have to move out of the company, maybe stay within the company. I'm going to start there. And that's what I tell my mentees always, you know, if you can't make things work with your current situation for whatever the reason is, at least try to find something internally as long as you're happy with the company and the culture. If that doesn't work, then really it's to the benefit of you and the employer that you find something else. And I've actually coached people out of positions mm -hmm. at companies that I've worked for that have been directly employed. You know, I'm their boss because they were, it wasn't a fit and it wasn't working for them and it wasn't working for us. And it wasn't, there was no benefit in that to anybody. So I think, mm -hmm. I think that's where the do something came from there. I, I had this moment with, with one of my mentees where I just had thrown my hands in the air and I said, for the love of God, would you do something? you're driving me crazy. We're on our third call and you're telling me the same story. You've not had the meetings I suggested. You've not raised the, the, the situation with anyone that you need to. I'm starting to feel like you're just, you're just using me as someone to call and complain to, you know, call a friend, call someone else. Mm. Um, but if you're not going to do something, then I, I can't continue to use my time. And that's where, mm. that's where the do something started. And they, they kind of laughed mm. at me and, and they joke with me. They text me, I'm doing something now. So it wasn't to be offensive or anything. It was just like, for the love of God, like you're unhappy and you're yeah. making your coworkers unhappy. And I just, I don't think that's a good combination. <laughs> so what can you do to change the situation? and then go do it. What do you think holds people back from taking the advice, making the progress? Fear. Yeah, because they, it's funny to me, I'm just kind of processing all of that and they've taken that initiative to reach out. They obviously want some guidance. So that is a big first step. Yes. From there they get blocked. Yes. So what is it? It's fear. What happened? It's fear. Because they, you know, what they have, and I do always ask this, like, let's think about the consequences. So I'm telling you, you should potentially do these things. What are the consequences? Let's think through how this might play out, what good or bad mm. could come from it. And a lot of times the good or the bad comes with risk. And that is something they're not ready to take on because they may not have a backup plan. They may be responsible. They may be the sole breadwinner. I mean, I've been in that situation as a sole breadwinner where, boy, if, yeah. I, if I say something or do something that doesn't land well, I might be out of a job tomorrow versus giving myself some time to actually find the right thing. So I think fear is, is, is the thing. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about bold moves. It's, you know, you're going to have to take on some risk if you're willing to do some, a bold move. It, it, there's just risk associated with it. And you just have to determine what level of risk you, you, you have an appetite for, and then you do it. Do you have any guidance? I, I want to actually ask you first, and then also what your guidance might be for other people, but how do you assess the risk for your, you, you know, from moving on from opportunities to continue making your bold moves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what guidance might you have for other people? Cause I see, I see both sides of it, right? Like it is very scary to quit a job without a net, right? Yes. Um, yes. So how, how do you, how do you coach people and how do you, how do you think about assessing the risk um, before maybe taking a leap of faith? 
So I, you always have to factor in your personal life, right? So, you know, yeah. you have responsibilities to your, to your family or, you know, to, to your creditors, yeah. <laughs> you probably have a mortgage <laughs> if you're working, if you have a house. Um, so you have to think about that, you know, how it, it yeah. truly, if this does, if, if this advice, if I take it and it doesn't land well, and I'm out of a job in a week, can I, can I make my bills? So, you know, obviously that's a factor, your, your personal side of it. But you also have to factor in your mental health. So if this position or situation that you're in is so bad mm -hmm. that you can barely get up in the morning or you're sitting in your car crying before you go into the office, how much longer can you withstand that mm -hmm. or should you withstand that just so that you can make your bills? I get it. I get it. You have mm -hmm. creditors, you have responsibilities, but your mental health is really important too. So you have to factor that in. And sometimes the advice I give is, listen, if you don't have that safety net, but you're in this mental state that is not getting any better and it's not going to, it's time to reach out to friends and family and see if they can maybe support you in the short term to get you through this. Or maybe you need to sell your house or you need to go move in with your parents, whatever it is, you know, think, think about all those things that you can do because there's always a way you can solve any mm. problem if you dissect it enough and you think of all the different ways, there's always a way. So that that's one of the things. The other thing you have to factor in is your reputation. So while it's all good and, and fine for me to be on this bold, you know, moves podcast with you talking about the bold moves I've made, it, there are reputational risks with starting with a company, especially a really big company, and then months into it deciding, holy crap, this is just not a fit for me. What do you do? That's that's horrific, right? Because people are going, wow, she works for the biggest company in the world and she's about to leave. What's wrong with her? Mm. And so you have to factor in how that's, how that's going to look because that matters and it gets around. At the same time, though, if you can explain it and you can, you know, you can speak to why you made that change and why it didn't hurt that company and why, in fact, you probably did the company a favor and how it benefited you long term and your new employer, then I think it's OK. But, you you know, you just have to be really careful because there is a little bit of a dance you have to do there. You don't want to look like a total flake in the market. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember in our correspondence that you had m moved on from a role after six months. Is that right? I absolutely did. Yeah. And uh, it was a difficult choice to make. But at the same time, it was the only choice to make. I had, I had made a decision to go into a company and I spent six months there and I knew probably within the first 20 days that it was the wrong place, but I was really trying everything to make it work for me. And it just wasn't. And, and it wasn't going to. And I thought, you know, I'm giving 150%. The company's doing everything that they are expected to do, but we're still just not meeting in the middle. This work-life balance isn't there. You know, the things they're asking me to do and needing me to do aren't things that I really even want to be doing going forward. And so we just needed to break up. But the, the intent is break up <laughs> on a positive note, right? So have the conversation. Man, do everything in your power to leave on, on a high note. You know, give it 150% until your very last day. And then once you're yeah. gone... Be, you know, message things appropriately. There's no reason to badmouth a previous employer ever. Don't do that. It's not necessary. It didn't work out for you, but there's other people that are working there that are making money and relying on that business to be successful. So, you know, just because it didn't work for you and it wasn't a fit for you doesn't mean it's not a good business that is doing good things for other people. So I think that's the other thing you have to factor in is just, you know, always give it your all when you're there. And once you leave, just, just, you know, make the most out of it and have the most positive response you can to why you left. Awesome. Really great advice. Um, I love when you, you talked about you're a master problem solver and, um, and, and, and as you were talking through that, I was thinking that, you know, coming up with, um, creative solutions to find your, 
to find how you're going to make something work is often what we need to do to move forward, right. right? It the path isn't always clear, I guess is what what we're saying, right? So what how do you help, how do you Oh, what's the question? It's about becoming a problem solver. How do you find, okay, here's a question. How do you fine tune that muscle? Because it is a skill that can be learned, but uh, I believe that you have to work pretty hard at it. You do. And I'm an analyst, right? So my career, I started as a developer, which is a coder. And then I got more into the, the data analytics side of it, where you're taking the information, you're analyzing it. And to do that, you have to break it down and then build it back up to solve for the problem. And so that taught me early on how to solve for problems, just, just, you know, using that methodology and process. And so that's how I work through my own problems today. That's how I work with mentees is I say, okay, what, let's go all the way back. I need to know all as much details as I can to understand how you got into the situation you're in. I need to know all the players. I need to, you know, I need the history. So let's factor in all of this information. Give me as much information as you can. Let's break it down and then let's build it back up a couple different ways And let's Mm. think about which one of those scenarios is going to play out best for you and your employer, because the last thing you want to do is screw your employer, (laughs) right? No matter what you want to, you want to leave on good terms. So in the event you're going to leave, or you're going to make a change internally, or frankly, you're just trying to solve for a problem so that you can stay at your company. You want to make sure you have all the information to do that in a way that's going to play out well. So I think it's just about breaking it down and building it back Mm. up and having the different scenarios. But at the end of the day, honestly, you can only... You can only, the decisions you make are only as good as the information you have at the time. So Kristen, that's one of the scenarios I ran into where I have made not so great moves because I didn't have all the information. I thought I did. I thought I went out and collected all the information and it made sense. And I went through the scenarios, I made a call um, and it wasn't, it turns out I didn't, you know, maybe do enough digging and I made the wrong call. That's going to happen. I think the intent is when it happens, don't beat yourself up. You've made it, you've made a mistake. You didn't have all the information. Okay. But how do you solve for that problem now? Then solve for that and move on and continue to make those bold moves. Don't let that stop you from making your next bold move. Just, just kind of step back and take, take stock of what's happened and try not to repeat that. Yeah. You know, you're making me think of, as I've, um, got some years of my career now under my belt, what seemed to be big and significant when I was in my 20s and maybe early 30s, I've realized that it's not really as big or significant, you know, as I've, you know, had more career experiences. So, for example, if I made a mistake and it felt like in my 20s, the world was crashing all over me. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Kristen, how could I have, for example, how how could I have sent the the email to the wrong client yes. right yep. <laughs> that could be a possible scenario uh now i just look so stupid i look like i'm not um managing the account to the best way that i could um that would really throw me in a loop yeah. back in the day you know but now if that happens i just i reframe it so fast in my head to say we're all human we all make mistakes it's going to be fine. And nobody's going to think about this as much as I'm thinking about this. They're going to be like, oh, whoops, Kristen made a mistake. She's got me the right information now. It's fine. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I think that's the benefit a little bit of going through some more experiences in your career, too. You can realize that what might seem like huge 
problems previously are not really as big. They're just in not. Scope. And the reality is the the people that, you know, it maybe got that email, they, they probably laughed about it, thought about it for a minute and then moved on to their next yeah. big problem. And I think that's the other reason why mentorship's important. As part of mentorship, you're having conversations mm-hmm. and you're talking about, or I am, I share kind of my, my bloopers reel, like, Oh, here's something I did that was embarrassing. And, and I taught, and they laugh about it. And I'm like, no, but really take that in because when you make a mistake, I want you to think about what I just did and then think, realize, you know what, I'm still in business. I'm still employed. I didn't get fired. It was embarrassing, but I, I moved on. I think the more you hear about what other people yeah. have done that didn't, that was embarrassing or didn't work out the way they intended, the easier it is. It softens the blow when you make that mistake, because you will make a mistake. It's inevitable. We all do. Yeah. It's inevitable. Um, So now you've, you know, as you said, you've spent 25 years in this space of of data governance and um, and and become really the the vision, the version of yourself that you had planned. Right. Yes. So. So I would love to learn a little bit about that, you know, just how you've been able to grow your career to where you you thought you wanted to grow your career to. And then also what's next? I mean, what, what's your new dream? What are you working towards now? Yeah. What a great question. Cause I am at that point in my career where my, my husband was actually just asking me this the other day. He said, Natalie, what's next for you? And I said, I don't know. I feel like I've checked off my bucket list. I've done all the things I wanted to do. Um, you know, what would be next? And, and so we kind of chatted a little bit about it. And he said, you know, you always talked about executive leadership, being on boards, you're on a board now. He said, but what about still going down that path of executive leadership, sitting on a C-suite, you know, maybe being part of a, a larger board for, you know, a 500 company. And I said, yeah, I, that still very much resonates with me because I want to break the glass ceiling. I want more women to have a seat at that table. And it just takes me back to that day when I saw Renee walk into this boardroom with all these men, you know, sitting across and they all just kind of stopped and listened to her. And I thought, you know what, maybe that's my full circle is maybe that will be my moment when I can walk into the boardroom and I get a seat at the table and, you know, I'm able to be, be heard. So I think for me, that's like the end goal. And I still have, you know, 15, 20 years to work. So I've got time to get there. (laughs) Um, you said, I want to, you know, sit on boards and become part of C-suite because such an operative word, Natalie, because everybody has to have their reason for what they want to do. Doing it by itself is not going to motivate you, right? That's what I'm taking away from what you just said, but putting the, because I want to break the glass ceiling. Mm -hmm that's going to keep you going and into these bold moves that you know you need to keep it's like straight past straight past straight path oh pivot here right. pivot here pivot. right and it's going to influence the other women in leadership that are seeing me just like I saw Renee that are seeing me do this i want them to see this and go oh wait she just you know introduced me to this situation. i want i want to be her i want to do that so i want to be that influence for the next generation and that's that's kind of where I think if, if I can end my career on that note, then I've done literally everything I set out to do and I'll feel really good about my overall career. Mm-hmm. And that is the maybe the equation for satisfaction and fulfillment out of your career is knowing that you were intentional about what you wanted to do. You made it happen. And you can look back and be like, man, I worked my ass off. Yes, I did. <laughs> and I did some really, I, di- I, 
I was able to achieve what I set out to achieve and nothing got in my way. Coming back to your word, Natalie, unstoppable. Unstoppable. Yeah. And that's how I've raised my son. Um, he's 22 now. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I raised him as a, as I was a single parent and I raised him, I mean, I'm, I'm remarried, but you know, as a stepdad, I, I truly did raise him and, yeah. and I raised him to, to do the same, you know, and the only way for me to raise someone and, and, you know, mentor them to do what I did is by actually doing it. So it's not enough to just say you're going to make a bold move. You have to be able to do that. And you have to put yourself in a situation where you can. And so hopefully, you know, hopefully he's proud of me and hopefully he's, he's seen that, but you know, he's, he's taken off in his career and he's now doing all these crazy things at 22 that I just never in my wildest (laughs) imagination thought he'd be able to do. And I like to think that that's because he watched his mom just I'll be unstoppable. There was just no matter what, it was like, I'm going to pick myself back up and I'm going to move on. I'm going to keep going. You know, we've talked a lot about bold moves from a career standpoint. Um, And often I think that people relate to that a lot, right? I mean, you know, career tends to be such a big focus, you know, for people, it's their livelihood. It's how a lot of people find meaning and fulfillment. But what about bold moves in your personal life? Yeah, I so that's a very good point because a lot of the reasons I work is so that I can afford the personal life that I have. Yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, live, live to work, don't work to live. With that being said, you know, my, my goals and objectives from a personal level were one, to raise my son to be the best possible human being he could be. So that was always something that just was, you know, top of mind. Raising him as a single parent was something that I had to factor into my career path. Um, there was a two and a half year period where I was required to travel internationally to Malaysia, Japan, Poland, mm. Austria. And I was gone 19 days a month for two and a half years when he was very young. And so I had to make that decision from a personal perspective to bring in a nanny and, you know, kind of put the trust in, in that individual. But long-term, I knew that it would benefit him and, and myself. So I had to do those things. So that's that was part of like that combination between personal life and work and, and where do you meet in the middle. Um, but personally, you know, I... I've moved a few times, as you know, as a young child, but also as an adult. So that was a few of the bold moves I had to make where I was living in a city that that just wasn't uh, working for me. I, I didn't love, it was Detroit. It was just crazy busy. There was a lot going on and I didn't feel like I was getting enough time with my son because I was constantly commuting. And so I made this decision to just mm-hmm. uproot my family and move to Grand Rapids, Michigan, the entire other side of the state where things moved mm-hmm. a little bit slower, but I would have more time at home. Um, people thought I was absolutely crazy for doing that. But it for me, it was the right move at the time. It was a personal move, but it also benefited me from a business perspective because I was able to to, to, you know, see new cultures, new environments that, that were happening in Grand Rapids that were very different from Detroit. Hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing those personal aspects too, because it all plays into the, the wholeness factor of, of getting you to achieve everything that you want to do is not just the career standpoint, but all those mm-hmm. personal little things that add up too. And, and interestingly, you know, the point about moving around that can also act a little bit as a mentor for for you too. You start to see, as you said, different cultures, you're gonna do different experiences and those things are invaluable to better understanding yourself. At a hundred percent. And they also help you in business because as a consultant, you are constantly being dropped into new environments, new industries, 
new states, yeah. right? New cities. And, and there are differences. There's cultural differences. There's, you know, industri in, industry differences, and you have to figure them out very quickly. So having grown up in that situation where I was dropped into a new school and having to like learn everything new, that really helped me when I was in business and as a consultant being dropped in, you know, and you have to become mm. the overnight expert of that business. But it also helped me with moving from, you know, Detroit to Grand Rapids and eventually down to Tampa, because it is, it's a whole different set of rules in every city. Things are just different. Things in Grand Rapids move very slowly. The pace of business is much slower than Detroit. And the expectations from my employer in Grand Rapids were, in fact, they actually said to me in a performance review, Natalie, you need to slow down. You're stressing us out. <laughs> You want to do too many things too quickly and our business can't move this fast. And I was like, what? That's weird. Because in Detroit, if you weren't moving that quickly, you were going to be replaced. So it was like that, that reset yeah. in my mind of, oh, you know what? Factor in, read the room. <laughs> it taught me to read yeah. the room, right? Like I'm pushing these people that do not want to be pushed. They're very happy at their pace. And I'm pushing them just because that's all I knew at the time. But once I learned that they didn't love that, I was able to pull back and go, oh, wait, no, read the room. I can slow down. So I think that also I gained a lot of experience just from, from that. Do you have any um, practices that you that you that help you understand things, um, process things um, so that you're able to learn from experiences and apply them the next time around? Like anything like journaling, I'm kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So yes, I do quite a bit of journaling. Um, but I also I'm, I'm one of those people I'm actually believe it or not, most people don't realize this about me, I'm actually very introverted. Mm -hmm. So at work and, and you know, my day to day, I'm very extroverted, because this is what I love to do. And it's exciting to me, but at home, I'm very introverted. So I spend a lot of time at home uh, alone. <laughs> uh, and I think that's okay. I'm kind of thinking through my days and my weeks, and I, I'm constantly kind of evaluating, what have I done today that added value? What did I do last week that added value mm -hmm. and gut checking myself? And then I reset because I think mm -hmm. it's not, I mean, I'm not dwelling on these things, but I am constantly trying to be very aware of what I am, what value I'm adding to society, what I'm bringing to the business, what I'm bringing to the business world and what I'm just doing in my personal life to help add value to the people around me. So I'm constantly kind of gut checking. Am I doing all the right things? Mm -hmm. Am I, am I bringing value and then resetting as needed? Amazing. I want to ask you a final question, which is, what do you know about being bold today that you wish you would have known earlier on? This goes back to exactly what you were just talking about. So my husband always says life has a way of working out. And we've been together now 10 years. And in the last two years, I've actually realized he's right. So I just wish I had realized that, you know, 20 years ago, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. because it does, it just has a way. So even yeah. in those darkest moments, those embarrassing moments where you did something that it's just totally cringeworthy, or you made a bad move or the, not the right move, man, it's okay. It's okay. Just, you know, learn from it mm -hmm. and then, and then come back and, and do the next bold thing or the right thing. That's, you know, the, the, the thing that's right for you. Um, but life is, life has a way of working out and it, it really does. It just does. Yeah, it reminds me of the the phrase, you just have to get back up on the horse. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. There is no there's no giving up in my world. We um do uh, you get back up and you just keep moving. Head head held high. You know, this conversation, I've learned so many things from you. It's been so insightful. Good. Thank you Thank for you. being here, Natalie. If Thank people you. uh want to connect with you, um, where can they find you? 
Yeah, on LinkedIn under okay. Natalie Greenwood. Yep, absolutely. Find me on LinkedIn, connect with me. I would, I love to, to interact with people and network. I would appreciate that. Amazing. And for everyone else, hey, we really thank you for tuning into today's episode and make sure that you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another one. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye, everyone.